We talked last week about building and how I enjoy, you know, putting together things and desks and stuff like that. Um, and, but, but, you know, when, you, when you're building something, one of the things I was thinking about this week is that, um, you know, it's important when you're building something to know what you're building. Now, see, if you're building from scratch, right, then, then no doubt you have a picture in your mind of, of what you can build. Maybe you've sketched that out. Um, but, but one of the things I really enjoy doing, you may not know this about me, I love putting puzzles together. I really do. I enjoy putting puzzles together. I love a good puzzle and uh, loving, love doing that and can really get drawn into a puzzle um, very quickly. But one of the things about a puzzle that's helpful is when you have the picture, right? When you have the picture of what the finished product is supposed to look like, it's super helpful to have a picture of what we're trying to build or what we're trying to put together, the puzzle that we're trying to bring together. One of the big things that we have to remember when making disciples, which is what we're going to be talking about today, right? Summit Maine um, will glorify God and advance His kingdom by making disciples of Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit. Today we're talking about making disciples. One of the big things that we have to remember with making disciples is the picture of what we're trying to build, a disciple. So that's what I want to talk about today. What is a disciple? What is a disciple maker? We talk about discipleship a lot, and one of the things that we don't want for Summit Church is for discipleship or disciple to become fad words around here, just, just cool things that we throw out there, that we're all about discipleship. We really want to be all about discipleship. And in order to do that, we've got to know the picture of what we're trying to make here. We're, we're called to make disciples. And so Matthew 28, 18 through 20, again, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, Jesus speaking, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. And so two weeks ago, we talked about go, right? Or, or excuse me, at the beginning of this, go, be the church, be a going church, be a church on mission. And then last Sunday, we talked about making, form something by putting parts together, build his kingdom. And then disciple, make disciples, is a follower by definition. If we're, if we're disciples, then we're followers. Um, I've created some disciples of North Carolina basketball in my family. My, my family, uh, most of them would say that their favorite color, Vera right now, is pink and purple because she's still growing in the discipleship process. But many of them would say as a family that our favorite color is Carolina blue. Not sky blue, not baby blue, as some people would call it, Carolina blue. That's disciple, right? They're a follower of that thinking, of that belief, right? And that's discipleship. I saw that uh, Sherilyn posted a video on Facebook a couple of weeks ago of Jonathan vacuuming their hallway the same way that she was. Sherilyn is discipling Jonathan in the world of vacuuming. Isn't that awesome? And so that's a follower. It's just that, that, that word disciple is follower by definition. One who accepts and assists in spreading doctrines of another. And so there's going to be a day when Jonathan teaches someone else how to vacuum. Maybe Zan. Uh, there's going to be a day um, when, when, when my kids teach others about Carolina blue and the beautiful color that God made and painted the sky with. It's a disciple, and so it's one who accepts and assists in spreading doctrines of another. 
And one of the things that we have to recognize with this is that we are set apart for good works. We're set apart with responsibility to become like Jesus, to follow him and to obey his word. Disciple, by definition, is follower, one who accepts and assists in spreading doctrines of another. Let me pray for us, and we'll keep talking about this from the book of Ephesians chapter 4. God, thank you that you've called us to this. Thank you that you've called us to go and make disciples of all nations. And I pray that today you'd speak to us through your word. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So again, I hope you have your Bibles out. I I hope they're in your lap and you're going to follow along or you've pulled up your device. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 4, verses 17 through 32. And I just want us to walk through this text today. Ephesians chapter 4, 17 through 32. It says this, Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of their ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. Now, Paul's talking to the church at Ephesus here, right? And he's giving them instructions about how they ought to live. And he's saying, don't walk as the Gentiles do. They're alienated from the life of God because of their ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of their hearts. They've become callous, verse 19 says, have given themselves up to sensuality, greed, to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned Christ. That's not the way you learned Christ, Paul says, assuming that you've heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus to put off your old self which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness therefore having put away falsehood let each of you speak the truth with his neighbor For we're members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths. I think I may need to read that again for some of us. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Now I want us to look, and we're going to go back and kind of take this uh, piece by piece, but I want us to go back to verses 17 through 24, where Paul begins this section of his writing, and he says, this I say and testify in the Lord, no longer walk as the Gentiles do. They're corrupt. Their hardness of heart, uh, they've become callous. They've given themselves up to so many other things that are not of God. And I want you to see here that the call of Paul in this section of Scripture, verses 17 through 24, is a call to obedience. The call of Paul here is a call to obedience. And I want you to see that it's, that, that, that it's here that we see in this text a vision 
for discipleship. We see a vision for discipleship. Things that we need to understand clearly. Things that help us follow the ways of God. See, one of the biggest challenges of spiritual development is balancing our part and God's part. One of the biggest challenges when it comes to spiritual development is balancing our part and God's part. See, if we assume too much of the job, we end up with a works-oriented relationship that leads to self-righteousness, it leads to burnout, it leads to legalism. Why? Because we're doing it. We don't need God. And if we're doing it in our own strength, then we're going to burn out. It's going to lead to legalism, self-righteousness, because we are something. But then if we assume too little and take too little responsibility... We fail to engage sufficiently to have a genuine relationship with God. To have a genuine relationship with God. And so the vision here, the vision here is, is, is obedience. They've become callous. But, but, uh, but, 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 but Paul's call here is to put off your old self and to be renewed in the spirit of our minds. To put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. The vision for discipleship is to follow Christ, to put off the old self, to put off the old way of thinking, to put off the old desires, and to put on this new self, this new way of thinking, these new desires to glorify God, to advance His kingdom, the things that we've been talking about over the last couple of weeks. The results of that obedience lead to maturity. If you look at verses 25 through 32, that's what Paul talks about. He talks about the maturity of the believer, the maturity of the Christ follower, the maturity of the disciple. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each of you speak truth with his neighbor, right? That comes with maturity, speaking truth with his neighbor, for we're members of one another. What about this one? Be angry and do not sin. That comes with maturity, right? That we're, that we don't, that we don't sin in our anger, right? That we don't let the sun go down on our anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor doing honest work that comes with maturity and with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk. Right? Another example of maturity. Come out of your mouths, but only such as good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear and do not grieve the Holy Spirit by whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another. Again, another mark of maturity. Tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. See, here in this section, we, Paul, we see Paul talking about this intention, this intentionality that leads to maturity, this obedience that leads to maturity, that we're to be intentional around these things and, and around living a certain way. See, many of us hope that given enough time, just showing up in church week after week, engaging in various Bible studies or doing different things online or, 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 or what have you, whatever the, the, the thing that you're doing is, will eventually change them into the person that they're supposed to be. That it'll just happen. That one day, you know, I'll leave church and, and, and I'll be who I'm supposed to be or I'll have, have attended enough services or I'll have served in enough children's classrooms or I will have greeted at the door long enough and boom, I will be to maturity. I have done this many Bible studies. Boom, I have reached maturity. 
But there's only so much impact that all of those things can have on our souls. You need to hear me say that, church. There's only so much impact that all of that can have on our souls. There are values that we need to commit to. There are values that we need to commit to. And see, I, I've been thinking about this um, with exercise. My, the, the kids being at home, they, they're really enjoying making cookies. And, and I don't know what it is, but every time I, I stop at Hannaford um, right now as we're, as we're kind of sheltering in place or, 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 or you know, home more or whatever, I feel like the Oreos just call me. Anybody else feel like that right now? That as you're kind of, you know, and, and you're doing your groceries or whatever, and you're kind of, you're kind of, you know, rushing around, and you're trying to, you know, be be be, be conscious of the space around other people, and then and then there's just the Oreo aisle, and they're getting really creative with Oreos these days. They're doing a lot of different things: the peanut butter Oreos, the the Easter egg Oreos. I don't know if you've seen those yet. They're pretty good. It's a little deceiving. It's just kind of like an Oreo, a vanilla Oreo with some food coloring in it. But anyway, the point that I'm trying to make here is I could exercise every day. I could exercise every day. But if I don't change the way I eat, nothing changes. Right? And I know, I know a lot of us don't like to talk about exercise and all that stuff right now, especially when we're coming up to a holiday and Easter and we've been eating everything. We've been eating all our feelings over the last few weeks because of everything that's been changing and all of that. But, but I could exercise every single day. I could go for a run. I could do a you know, home workout. I could, do, I could do all these different things. But if I don't change the way I eat, guess what happens? Nothing changes in my body. And a lot of us are doing that with church. A lot of us show up to church every week. A lot of us go to small group every week. A lot of us doing these Bible studies or listening to these podcasts or doing all that. But the heart is never changing. There's never a shift in our heart and in our values that says, I'm going to be different. I'm going to think different. I'm going to spend money different. I'm going to talk to people different. I'm going to share some different things. And that church is where we've got to shift if we're going to be a disciple and if we're going to make disciples. That we've got to stop just showing up. We've got to stop just going. God will meet us at the level of our expectation. If we believe that, then some things have to shift. Some things have to change. Whew. Man, I didn't get, expect to get this passionate speaking to a video camera, but I'm imagining, I'm just imagining each and every one of you here. Herb's right here. You know, Mark and Kathy are over there. You know, the Bartlett's are back there. Different people are all, Henry Carson and Madeline, no doubt they're back there. Ralph Midget's back there. You know, I'm just, just picturing, picturing people in the room. I'm picturing that if we could have a conversation face to face, I think I would be just this passionate that some things in our lives have to change. We can't just show up to church and expect it to happen. We've got to be intentional. We've got to be intentional. Wanting to be different is not enough. We actually need to make the space necessary to engage with God. And that's what I want us to spend the rest of the time talking about. That, that wanting to be different is not enough. We actually need to make the space necessary to engage with God and then spend time speaking and listening to God. I can't tell you the things that need to change, right? And see, and see, maybe that's where we get so frustrated. Well, pastor, just tell me what needs to change. Well, are you a critical person? Maybe stop being so critical. 
Are you a negative person? Maybe try positive. But, but, but see, I don't, I don't know, right? Because that's where conviction comes in. That's where conviction comes in, where we make the space necessary to engage with God. And we say, God, I don't like the way things are going right now in my life. I don't like the way I'm acting. I don't like the, the result of things. And I need to engage with you because I want you to show me the things in which you want to change in my life. And we're going to talk about the power to change those things in a couple weeks. But, but for today, I just want us to talk about, again, for the rest of our time together, making the space necessary to engage with God. All right, we've got to get going. The point is that we need to develop a working relationship with God that goes beyond study and obedience, that goes to followership. We need to arrange our lives and make real space for real connection that feeds our soul and changes our minds and hearts. And then lastly, this maturity leads us to becoming like Christ. So we've got the vision for discipleship. We've got the intentionality, right? Things have got to change. We've got to shift our intentions in our lives. But then we see the means. If you look at chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, and, and, and we're going to finish with this, Paul goes into chapter 5 and he says, therefore, as a result of all of this, as a result of this vision for your life and this intentionality that I'm calling, to, calling you to in your life, therefore, being imitators of God, as beloved children, walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. There it is. Be imitators of God. Be disciples. Be followers of God. As beloved children, walk in love as Christ loved us. See, imitating Jesus and making space for God can be done in many ways. Many ways. Many ways. But one truth we must declare before we go any further through this is this. Spiritual disciplines do not change us. If you think about spiritual disciplines, they don't change us, right? They don't change us. We need to understand that they have no merit, no power in and of themselves. We're not better than anyone else because we practice these spiritual disciplines, reading our Bible, praying, all these different things. We don't become better by practicing them. What they do for us is make space for us to engage with God. That's it. They make space for us to engage with God. Setting aside time every morning for prayer and meditation it's an important thing to do. But the act of sitting down with our Bible and even the act of reading our Bible is not what develops our character. Our understanding might be improved. Our appreciation for the things of God might be stirred. But when we open up to Jesus directly, when we open up to Jesus personally, and we receive his words into our hearts and in our minds, we encounter life itself that is able to change who we are. Our part is to make space for listening to God. See, spiritual disciplines don't change us, but they make space for engaging with God. And my question for you this morning, church, is are you making space for engaging with God? 
That is hands down. Listen to me, church. Everybody wants to make disciples. Everybody wants to talk about discipleship. You know, again, we don't want these things to become fad for us. The first step in making disciples, the first step in being a church of disciples who make disciples is that we individually have to engage with the person of Jesus. We've got to engage with God. If we've got to do that, for, if, we don't, if we don't do that, forget it. We're not going to make disciples. We're going to talk to who's comfortable. We're going to have conversations that are easy. But it's when we engage with God that He takes us deeper and He shows us who needs us. Who needs Him through us. And what to share. And how to follow And so again, my question goes back to, are you making space for engaging with God? What would it look like for us to do this? What would it look like for you this week, in between Palm Sunday and Easter, to make space to engage with God? To make space to walk with Him? To read your Bible and to sit and say, okay, how does that change my relationship with you. And as you grow in maturity, as you grow as a follower of Christ, that will overflow into others. It happens. It happens. So that's my challenge for us this week is that we make space for engaging with God. Can we pray together? God, thank you. God, I think the thing that just blows me away so much about this is that, God, you want to engage with us. God, you want this relationship with us. You want to grow us. You want us to follow you. You want want to lead us. You want to bring us to maturity. And so, God, I, I pray for each and every person that listens to this, God, that we would open ourselves up to that, that we would see this this VIM model of discipleship, this vision that you have for discipleship, this intentionality that you created a way that we could have access to you, that we could engage with you, and that there's a means for this. God, that these spiritual disciplines open up the space for us to engage with you. And so, God, I pray that this week we would make space in our lives to engage with you. God, that we wouldn't just watch this video and walk away and say, oh, that was cool. But that, God, this would change us. That, 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 that you would stir in us a passion to make shifts in our lives. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.